everybody. Welcome to Megasheen Special Edition um, for the holiday week. Um, this is Victor, and I'm coming to y'all to really talk about Storm. And why Storm? Why not Storm? She's one of our favorite characters. So we do want to talk about her, but I'm going to kind of point out some of my favorite comic storylines um, about her over the years. Um, there has been a lot of great stories featuring her. But I can tell you, these were the stories that really um, captured my heart. <laughs> I loved them so much, and I constantly reread them almost all the time. Just because, again, it showed the magnitude of Storm's character and power and just everything that we have all grown to love. So let's just get right into it. So as most of you know, Storm appeared... Back in 1975, um, in the big, great, king-size issue of the X-Men, where they were all brought in to help save the original X-Men. Her story was very unique because they had to go to Africa. Well, Xavier had to go to Africa to find her, and she's always thought of herself as a goddess. But he reminded her that, mm, you're a mutant. And so, therefore, she came over and learned new ways of America. And now, you know, she is who she is. But there has been a great journey throughout her entire time in the X-Men. So, as I said before, let's talk about some of my favorite comics. So, I'm going to actually kind of skip around um, to some interesting pieces, um, starting with um, Uncanny X-Men 151-152. And that was when we had the kind of infamous story of the White Queen um, stealing Storm's body. So they switched bodies in, this, in these particular comics where Storm um, was basically in <laughs> Emma's body and Emma was in Jean's, I mean Jean, well that was later, but she was actually in Storm's body. And it was um, quite interesting. Some people had some issues with that just because we saw um, Shaw, who was the Black King, and Storm, body with Emma in it actually kissing and so that kind of uh you know rubs some people the wrong way um there has been some interesting pieces about that but what I saw when I first read this was really really something interesting about Storm and how she uses her powers it kind of explained that you know not everybody could just conjure lightning and what have you you have to have some sense of control and emma didn't have that but it was also interesting to see how storm and emma's emma's body was using her telepathic powers so it was very interesting how chris kermont was kind of explaining the how they were in each other's bodies um and it was a fascinating read especially we got to the last part of the story where basically Storm threatened to kill Emma after doing this um, and to see Storm dressed up as Emma is very fascinating so I remember seeing that one particular panel where she said once a majesty of evil <laughs> that it may have been so but no longer so you know as we, we got a little bit of Storm's dramatic um, speeches at that point but it was just something that kind of stuck with me over the years to see that these two would never get along and we have seen that all the way back in the Dark Phoenix saga when Emma kidnapped the X-Men and she was going to really you know 
destroy Storm's mind. Um, that right there was the kickoff to their interesting relationship over the years. But this particular one um, in between um, 151 and 152 was very fascinating. So if you have not really seen that, you know, find it. It was a great story and I really enjoyed it. We're going to kind of move on to the time at Storm met Dracula. So this was a very interesting storyline as well. Um, Storm was mugged <laughs> um, one night in New York. And um, at the time, um, she was found, you know, they found her being injured. And it turned out to be it was Dracula who kind of attacked her. Now, this took place um, in um, Uncanny X-Men 159 and also finished in Annual 6. So we saw that Dracula was really into Storm. He really wanted to make Storm his queen. Um, and it was a very interesting story because Storm was really fighting herself to not give in to the darkness. It was very... Um, Fascinating because again, we got to see a lot of her character, um, a lot of what makes her who she is. Um, and we also got to understand a little bit more about um, her relationship with Kitty, that was also very tested in this. Um, where you know, it was Kitty's faith in her that gave her the strength to get out of you know the influence of Dracula. Um, it was a very interesting story. You can still find the story um, in trades um, as well as um, actually online. I was just found. I just read it again online um, for free. So it's a very interesting story to see. You know, Dracula going after Storm and Storm as a vampire. Um, we got to see that later on um, in the run of Mutant X. I think when Alex went to an alternative reality where Storm was continued to be the vampire. Her name was Bloodstorm. So it was a a good time in comics because they took a lot of risk, I believe, back then in the 80s. So to have Storm um, almost, you know, the queen of the vampires was very fascinating. So if you haven't seen that, I would say go back and read that story as well. Another fantastic run with Storm was when we got to meet Alanya, and that is Cyclops's, oh, not Cyclops, that is Colossus' sister. Um, she was kidnapped by Blasco and taken to another dimension called Limbo. And as the X-Men was trying to save her, they met another Storm. Um, this was an older Storm. And this storm didn't have her mutant powers, but she became um, more into her sorcery. So apparently what we learned in this particular comic, and it was Uncanny X-Men 160 and also continued in Magic 1 through 4, is in Storm's lineage. Um, she comes from a very strong, powerful family known if they were born with white hair, they were gifted with certain powers or they were sorcerers or sorceresses. Um, so what we found out is this older storm was a sorceress and she was actually someone that Blasco tried to seduce in the past. And she did give in to that darkness, but she fought her way back out. So when they went to this dimension, storm met her older self and kind of, understood like wow i have a long lineage of you know who i am there's a particular panel that really um hit home when i was younger when i read it because when they were talking she talks about how she lost her ability to control the elements but she turned to her other heritage and that was sorcery 
so that was really you know that impacted me i was like wow so not only storm is a powerful mutant but she also comes from a lineage of witches and sorcerers so i always wanted more on that um, just because that would be a fascinating read to go all the way through storm's lineage and where her family comes from and we've seen a little bit of that throughout the years in comics where we have met her family um, during the time that she married Black Panther, we got to meet some of her family members. But this particular part about her lineage was actually brought back again in New Mutants, um, where um, it was Danny and Magic was going through different time portals and they ran into an ancestor, a sheikh, um, who, an ancestor of Storm, who was a sorceress in Egypt. So that was a really interesting time, too. So if you have not read... Um, uncanny x-men 160 and magic i really think you should it has a very great um group of comics and also that was a very fascinating time to learn about storm's lineage and how she comes from a very powerful family let's see now let's get into the morlocks now i know a lot of you are watching or re-watching um, X-Men, uh, the animated series. And there is the story where they um, got to meet the Morlocks. So in Uncanny um, X-Men 168, um, we got to see Storm in a very, very different way. So it was something that was very interesting. So I would say if you, oh man, that was a moment. There is an iconic panel where um, Storm is fighting Callisto. So let me kind of go back. So in between um, 168 and 170, um, the X-Men ran into the Morlocks, and they are a group of mutants who are living in the sewers and underground of New York City. Um, they kidnapped um, Angel, and they had to save him um, from Callisto. And Callisto was the leader. So Callisto, I think she's her abilities are similar to... Um, Wolverine a little bit. She has kind of mutant tracking, um, very strong healing abilities to a degree. Um, and she is very ruthless and a great fighter. Um, as the leader, she challenged the X-Men that if they want Angel back, somebody had to challenge her. Um, Storm took that challenge. And when they did that, we learned that Storm comes again from a very interesting background. Now, a lot of you may or may not know that Storm was raised as a thief. And as a thief, um, she had to learn how to fight and survive. Um, so we saw some of that in this particular um, line of books because when she fought Callisto, she surprised Callisto. Callisto thought that she was just this goddess who was untouched and uh, and very, you know, all up in her virtue that she wouldn't be able to handle someone um, with her, you know, abilities, her fighting abilities. And Storm, the, the moment when Callisto threw the, um, the knife at Storm and she caught it a certain way, it shocked Nightcrawler, but it, I think it shocked a lot of us. Cause we're like, okay, Storm is ready for this. So there was a fight between them. And even though it looked like Callisto was having the upper hand, there was a moment when Storm stabbed her in the heart. And this iconic panel of her walking away <laughs> Once she stabbed her was um was just phenomenal. It was wonderful. I remember reading this in high school and just falling out with like, wow, don't mess with her. She is no joke. So again, if you want to kind of check out um this particular 
group of comics. Go back to Uncanny X-Men 168 through 170, where we really get to see um, Storm kind of show out. But not only show out, we actually get to see Rogue um, become a member of this team. So again, check out those particular comics um, and add in 171 too if you want to get into that. Then we get into Japan. So um, during a time um, Wolverine was going to get married to America, um, the X-Men went down there to be a part of that. Um, and Storm actually uh, ran into one of Wolverine's friends slash lover hookup, Yuriko, um, who was kind of a interesting... She was an interesting character because she was a Ronin. Uh, Ronin, I'm saying that probably wrong, but... Um, she is kind of a rogue masterless samurai. That's what Yuriko is kind of is or what that stands for. And so, you know, hanging around with her, you know, Storm was really like, you know, feeling herself, really feeling like, hey, I'm hey, she's kind of fascinating. She's interesting. She's the way she lived her life is kind of by the by the thread of of death all the time. And it kind of intrigued um, Storm to where. And, you know, after having these experiences and running around with Yuriko, she changed her look. So if you want to go back to Kenny X-Men 172 to 173, that is when Storm completely changed. And we got the punk Storm with the the mohawk and the leather. Um, and she was also wearing the vest that she won from Callisto. So we get this new look. Kitty hated this look. But... It was something that just kind of changed the game. This is the first time I really started paying attention to Storm. And let me, I, even though I, I always pay attention to Storm, this was when I realized, like, whoa, this is a whole different person. And the first time I ever saw Storm was um, actually in Spider-Man Amazing Friends when they met the X-Men. And that was the first time I really saw her. But when I kind of registered everything, was when, um, this was the particular time. So seeing her look, with this look was very fascinating and amazing and I loved it so much. So um this is when we got the punk storm and you know that we got this look again. We got to see this a little bit later on over the years, but this was a nice look and it was something that kind of fit the eighties at the time and also fit her new attitude. Now we get into a very interesting time in Storm's life where she lost her powers. So um, in a particular comic, um, Uncanny X-Men 185, um, they Storm lost her powers through this gun called the Neutralizer. It was something the government was going to use to kind of deal with their the mutant issue. And it was created by Forge. And Forge will always be a character that we will always kind of associate Storm with because he created it. But he was also... He didn't want this to be used. And when Storm was shot by this, um, she lost her powers. And she also lost her will to live. So Storm saved, I mean, uh, Forge saved Storm from drowning in the Mississippi when this happened. So to kind of go back, in this particular episode, they were going after Rogue. Rogue was considered a danger because of the fact that she used to be with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Um, Rogue also took on the entire group of Avengers. So she already had a name for herself, but also because of what she did to Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers at the time, Rogue was someone that they just felt like that was public enemy number one. And once she became an X-Men, um, 
the government was very keen on her. So when they was trying to track her down, Storm went to go work with her and talk with her. Um, now, the interesting thing about this is maybe y'all didn't notice, but Rogue was around 17 or 18 when she joined the X-Men. So, you know, Storm was a little bit older, but she was really trying to reach out to her. And Storm really didn't like her at first. So when they got to, you know, get to know each other, um, she volunteered to give Storm, the, the, the Rogue, the ability to have Storm's powers and to see what it feels like to be um, in her world. So when this was happening, that's when Storm was attacked and that's when she got hit, uh, when they both got, uh, when they both was attacked and, they, and Storm got hit with the gun. Ford saved her and took her back to his place. I think he was living in Texas at the time. And he tried to nurse her back to health. This gave us the iconic um, Uncanny X-Men 186, Life Death, where they actually begin to fall in love with each, with each other. But that's when she also learned that he was the one who created the gun. So even though they loved each other and she loved him, she didn't trust him. And she always vowed that she's going to get her powers back, whether... It's through him or someone. And she also let him know that she has no problem taking him out if if she needed to. So it was very, uh, it, was a, it was a great story. Um, bittersweet because, again, that this became a theme of their relationship over the years. This interesting, tight love that just always could never come together completely but i always think that forge is one of storm's greatest loves and i personally i i hope they get back together they deserve to be together i don't believe in the black panther situation that was a lazy writing piece and i'm not really the biggest fan of her and wolverina at one point but i really hope she does get back with forge so she lost her powers um, and she decides to still stay with the X-Men, but at one point she just felt like she didn't really have a place there. So she did go back home. She went to Africa and we get to see Storm back in Africa, um, in particular comics like 189 and then 193. We also saw her get into, um, a fight with the Struckers. So... Andreas and Andrea Van Strucker um, are the twins of Von Strucker. And if you remember watching, I think it was uh, Age of Ultron, we got to see the Von, Von Strucker. Um, but he, that's a different situation, but he had two kids and they are also mutants. They were just kind of like assholes in Africa, shooting animals and killing them. And she kind of ran into them and they tried to kill her. Um, but um, she actually survived and then she went through kind of an interesting moment where she was kind of delusional and she ran into Sandstorm. She got lost, but then she found this young pregnant girl named Shani um, and it was a bus, a bus accident. She was the sole survivor. So Storm helped her get back home to her tribe and give birth to her baby. She was pregnant too. But at the same time, um, Storm met the tribal leader Mishnari. And so in order for this child to be born, 
Mishnari sacrificed his life so the baby could be born. But at the same time, he taught our um, Storm, Aurora, I can never say the name right, it always sounds silly when I say it, but he taught Storm about life and about how even without power, she is still a powerful person. And so that was giving her a reason to live, a reason to return back to the X-Men. So if you want to check out Life, Death 2, that was in Uncanny X-Men 198. So she did um, return to the X-Men, but before she did that, um, she got caught up with the Shadow King. And the Shadow King has always been one of her biggest enemies um, throughout her life. So in between that time of her going back to the X-Men, she was kind of kidnapped um by the shadow king because he was attacking the new mutants and he took possession of karma and karma is a vietnamese um new mutant who has the power to possess people and and so he took control of her um and actually made her gain a ton of weight it was a very odd situation but in between that time this was happening from um uh, new mutants 32 and 30 through 34 we got to see that's where we got to see um storm's ancestor um and we also got to you know see how he the shadow king reacted to storm once he saw her again because he was that was his biggest obsession at the time um now once they did defeat um the shadow king he got caught up in more drama um, with Loki. So if you get a chance to read the Ascarian Wars, or if you want to get the the comics itself, New Mutant Special Edition 1 and Uncanny X-Men Annual 9, um, we see where, you know, Loki did manipulate Storm and turn her into Thor. She was the goddess of thunder and, and everything. He gave her powers, but she did give it back because she did not want to be um, somewhat a slave or anything to to Loki. So that was a very interesting story because there was a lot going on. We had the X-Men. We had um, Rachel in this one. And Rachel took on the name Phoenix during the storyline. But I love this storyline just because it was just something interesting where we got to see all of them as a family fight together. Um, got to see a lot more of Loki. I never knew anything about Loki until I read this. So if you want to go back and read the time that, you know, Storm became Thor, um, it's New Mutant Special Edition 1 and Kenny X-Men, uh, annual nine or you can get the trade um with Oscarian wars that has a whole lot of stuff in it so get into that now after all this she got back to x-men but cyclops wanted to come back now cyclops was married to madeline Pryor, who was we now know the clone of jean gray which that's a whole effed up situation too but anyway he wanted to be um the leader of the x-men and storm was like well hey i I've been leading the X-Men. Who are you? Who do you think you are? He didn't really care. And, you know, you know, Cyclops was being a white male here, decided to challenge her. They had a duel. Guess who won? Storm. Um, because she has learned how to fight for herself, to do things without powers. He, you know, Cyclops is a leader, um, but he lack the cunningness that Storm has developed and learned throughout her life. So in that particular um, duel and battle when she won, um, it was 
great to see how she, even when she won, she was still trying to console Scott and Scott was being an asshole about that because he just could not believe there is a panel where he was like I don't believe it I'm dreaming this is this am I dreaming this didn't happen I lost and I was like yes you lost but it was also interesting because of the fact that you really saw the white male in him come out um he you know he was just very stunned by that even though he did kind of say like you know I have to learn to live with it but it was the fact that he never thought he would lose and so when Storm won that fight, it kind of, you know, solidified that this, this is a person that is a leader who can fight with or without powers and keep people safe um, as leader of the X-Men. So I was really um, enthralled with this. So if you want to read Uncanny X-Men 201, that is when that happened. We also got to meet Cable. Well, Baby Nate. So we got to see the baby of Madeline Pryor and Scott Summers, uh, which turned out to be Cable in the future. So if you want to go back, check out that particular comic. Now we're going to kind of jump through, um, skip some things here. Um, but I do want to point out one comic that I feel like people don't pay attention to a lot, and that's New Mutants 51. In that particular comic... Um, they, you know, Magneto became the white king of the Hellfire Club, but they also offered Storm the, the ability to also take on the the title of the white king. So they was going to, to split um, that role of white king. So Storm was going to be the white king. Um, not the white queen, but the white king. So that was a very interesting moment, too. So if you want to check out that particular comic when Storm and Magneto shared that... Um, title it was it was something because i remember looking at it like wow that that's a boss move to uh, make her the white king along with magneto um she didn't really stay with that um just because it was just a little much um but it, again it's a comic that people don't really talk about much often so if you get a chance i think you should check that um new mutants um 51 However, throughout, you know, the next few years, Storm wanted her powers back. And so she went looking for Forge. And, and in the midst of that, she found Naze. And Naze was kind of, um, I, I want to say, a, a, a mentor of Forge. Um, and so he was also a shaman that taught Forge how to use um, the special powers as well. So they joined together to go find Forge. But what we didn't know at the time was Naze was the adversary. This is a, a huge, evil, godlike villain um, that Forge has dealt with. And I want to say this is uh, a particular demon within the Native American culture. So if you want to go back to Uncanny X-Men um, 220, 224, that's where we really got to see Storm kind of... Um, coming to her own of, you know, really fighting for, you know, fighting to get her powers back, but also dealing with the fact that she still loved Forge and that has not really changed. And she really want, wants something um, 
she kind of wanted him back, um, not only with her powers, but she wanted some sense of purpose, I believe. So, you know, if y'all feel differently, let me know. But I, I just feel like that when I was reading those comics over and over again recently, it was it was interesting journey for her because she was learning about who she was, that she still loved Forge, that she wanted her powers, but she wanted more of a definition of who she really was throughout this journey. I hope I'm making sense, but I, I really enjoyed those. So again, Uncanny X-Men 220, 224. And also in between this time, we got into the Follow the Mutant storyline where um, when they um, end up fighting Freedom Force, which was in the past, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, um, they fought the adversary. Um, and in the midst of this fight, um, Storm and Forge got sent to a different um, dimension. They spend years in a dimension. So, you know, throughout this time in this dimension, I, it goes by really fast. So, you know, they were, um, I guess they were there for like years, even though it was like maybe a day or something like that. But it was very interesting. They they kind of rekindled their love. Um, and at that point... Forge figured out a way to give her powers back, and we really got to see um, them come together. But we also got to uh, Forge did something that was very interesting. He took apart his artificial leg to create an anti neutralizer that gave her powers back in the midst of using magic as well. So she became herself again with magic, um, but. That was kind of short-lived because once they got back and they were fighting the adversary, they gave up their lives um, to trap the adversary. So this happened um, in uh, Kenny X-Men 225, 227, where they um, all, all the X-Men died, um, but they were returned to life by Roma. And Roma is an omniversal ruler. She's an interesting character. You see her a lot in a lot of old Captain Britain comics, um, but she played a role in bringing them back from the dead. But they were all living in Australia at this time. So we um, got to see them in a different light, um, but it was really interesting. So if you want to go back and check out the Fall of Mutants storyline, you can do that. There's also a trade that you can do that. It's called Fall of Mutants that also have the new... The New Mutants, as well as X-Factor, is part of that. So, you know, check that out as well. Another line of comics was during the Inferno storyline. That was the drama of the dramas because they try to wrap up everything in this, um, especially to Jean Grey, because Jean Grey was back at the time and Madeline Pryor was alive. And then we got Mr. Sinister, so we got to see Mr. Sinister in action. And so there, it was the time when, you know, Jean met her clone, Madeline Pryor. And Madeline Pryor had a part of the Phoenix Force, but also she was manipulated in dark magics as well. So therefore, she was just as powerful um, as Phoenix in some ways. But there was also a time that Jean and Storm reunited. And it's a great scene in a particular um, comic um, throughout that time, I think it was Uncanny X-Men 242, where we saw them re um, rekindle their friendship and what have you. But there was a 
very interesting panel that I love. And I think it's the way that she was drawn and this was just powerful. Um, but there was a part where um, Cyclops was questioning Storm's leadership. He stays questioning her leadership. Um, and she tells him, I am Storm. I lead the X-Men. That gives me the responsibility and the right to make these decisions. And I thought that was very um, to the point. And that was, a, that was her basically saying period um, to... Um, Cyclops. So I really love that. And, you know, again, if you want to check out the Inferno storyline, it's huge. Check it out. There's a trade for it. But when that went down, that was in Uncanny X Men 242. And in 243, um, Storm had a very interesting conversation with Madeline Pryor, um, where she says something that I have always used to this day. And it's a line where she tells Madeline, um, when Madeline was saying, you know, I had no choice but to be evil. You know, I wasn't given, you know, any other thing to do but this. And Storm tells her that that's the cheapest of excuses and I would not let you hide behind it. That was something that when I read that in high school, I was like, well, that is a strong statement that, you know, you can't hide behind your excuses. You ha you can actually write your own path in life. And that is something that I kind of hold to myself that once I read that particular line, um, that was wonderful. And now, as I'm telling you all this through this podcast, I want to jump all the way back to 214, where Storm said another incredible line that I have always kept um, to my heart is when Malice tried to possess her. She took off and Malice was a, a particular mutant um a marauder who worked for Mr. Sinister that once she possessed you, she could do all types of crazy things to you. She tried to possess Storm. Storm took off this locket that if this locket was on you, you was possessed by malice. She took it off. She said, it will not work with me because I know the dark and white sides of myself. And that's something that I have always kept, um, to heart as well that I think it's important that you do know the dark and light sides of yourself in order to deal with life you know I always like to credit that as a way of saying like hey I don't use alcohol or drugs to deal with the hard parts of my life I know who I am to handle this and that's just been how I've dealt with life ever since and it's because of that particular line that was something that stuck with me uh when I read that so going back to 214 check out that moment where she says that and that was just very a very strong moment um for me but also a very strong moment for Storm so that was really fun too so I'm going to stop there. I'm going to make this um, just a part one. I may come back and do a part two. But those particular comics were just the bee's knees. That <laughs> just sounds so stupid saying that. But at the same time, those were some great comics that really turned me into one of the biggest storm stands ever. Um, and it reminds me of when I was collecting these comics back in high school. I had to recall, you know, go back and get a lot of back issues at the time. But these were the comics that just really solidified Storm as a powerful character, as a powerful black woman, as a powerful leader of the X-Men. This is why I am the biggest fan of her is because of these particular comics I talked about today. So, um, we'll be back, um, soon. Nick has been traveling with his new job, but we'll be back with more greatness in our episodes, but I just wanted to kind of lay this out for y'all and hopefully this will entice some of you who are 
not really into comics to actually kind of pick up some and read, especially when it comes to her. So this is the episode today. I hope you enjoy some of my favorite comics featuring Storm. Um, And if you are interested in more of us, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple. Um, We're everywhere. Everywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us. You can find us on Twitter. Megashine Pod, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, so you can just type in Megashine and there we are. All right, y'all have a great holiday week and we will see you soon.